Welcome to My Orgasmic Life Podcast, a show that where we talk about sex, love, relationships, and kink. And of course, my favorite part, I share with you my very graphic, very juicy, and always entertaining orgasmic life. I'm Gaia Morissette, your hostess, and your holistic sexual wellness specialist, your trauma healer, your BDSM expert, and of course, your pro dominatrix. Mm. <laughs> the show was inspired to inspire you to support your orgasmic living. Remember, always check the content warning before you listen and make sure you're listening where no one else can hear it because you never, ever know what I'm going to say because I always come with an explicit graphic content warning. <laughs> now, strap in and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you, audience, for being with me today. As always, I adore you, and I want to give a shout out to all my Belgium uh, audience, as well as all of my U.S. All audience, and uh, you know, my Canadian audience, because you're my top three. And everybody else who's listening all over the world, I appreciate and adore you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So today is another one of those healing conversations where I'm going to talk about feelings and healing. And the reason that we do these once a month is because without looking at our own shit, as I could call it, our emotional stuff or baggage or trauma, whatever you want to call it, um, we cannot have an orgasmic life. Um, the reason my life is so orgasmic and I'm off gallivanting and frolicking and living the dream is because I work through my stuff. And, and um, that is crucial. And all of my relationship dynamics, they're awesome because we all, that's part of one of the soul standards that I have um, in all of my relationship dynamics, whether it's work, friendship, lovers, partners, whatever it is, is that we all look at our shit. We all work on our shit. So Again, if you're like, oh, this does not sound like a sexy episode, it's not going to be a sexy episode, but it's an important episode because without talking about these things and looking at these things, we cannot fully be orgasmic and have an orgasmic life. Okay. So, all right. So today's topic is anxiety. Oh, not sexy. <laughs> How anxiety is so not sexy. <laughs> and not only are we going to talk about anxiety, but we're going to talk about how I've been struggling with anxiety, which is also very not sexy because that's not, you know, um, you know it does not go with my persona. <laughs> my persona of having been kicking ass. Ethical, consensual world domination and being, you know, seriously kicking ass in the world. So uh, anxiety is, uh, is, is really kicking my, has been kicking my ass. And I want to talk about that because I think it's important um, for my audience to see that, um, well, it's this whole 
full disclosure, real, raw, honest stuff that I talk about all the time. So I'm going to have an uncomfortable conversation, which I, uh, if you haven't listened to episode, which is vulnerability, episode 224, where I talk about my fears of being showing weakness and vulnerability, that would be a great episode to watch to understand why this conversation is really uncomfortable for me. Okay, so let's let's talk just a little bit. Um, I actually want to just talk, give you a little backstory on um, my experience with anxiety because people have different experiences with anxiety, and I'm not an anxiety expert, and I I'm an expert in many things, but anxiety is not one of them. And so um, I'm only going to talk, I'm not going to talk from anxiety from a clinical standpoint, I'm going to talk about it from my experience, okay? So it's a a really important piece of this conversation. And I hope some of it lands for you, resonates with you, may inspire you. But if you are really, if you are yourself listening to this, and you are having major panic attacks and anxiety attacks, you need to reach out and get some professional support medication may be the answer to that may be helpful in that Um, I can help in the departments uh, around the psychological side of things and you know finding strategies to do some you know management of it but you if you really are struggling please reach out and get some professional um, medical support because medication may help ease that um, pieces okay so I just, that's the, that's the content warning today. Okay. All right. So I want to go. So first of all, I didn't realize I actually suffered from anxiety. I'm 47 years old and I had no idea actually. (laughs) Dad. And you're like, what? What do you mean, Gaia? How could you not know? So here's how I didn't know. I had really great coping strategies that uh, squashed all feelings of anxiety. And um, those coping strategies weren't actually healthy. And so I got rid of those coping strategies. And then after I got rid of those coping strategies, it turns out I have low-grade anxiety all the time (laughs) about everything who knew (laughs) not me apparently because if I did in all fairness I probably may not have got rid of some of those coping strategies (laughs) no in all fairness I would have still gotten rid of those coping strategies but um so here were my coping strategies um to uh suppress and override all of my anxiety coping strategy number one being an uber control freak. And being a control freak is different than being a leader or a dom. Um, being a control freak is that person that must micromanage everything and everyone all the time about everything. And all of you control freaks who are listening to me right now, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, it took me years to realize that being me being a control freak was a a defense mechanism it was a coping strategy 
to deal with not feeling safe, which turns out it goes hand in hand with anxiety for me. So I spent years rewiring that, reprocessing that, dealing with that. As soon as I started feeling like I needed to be uber controlling and being a control freak, I would then be like, well, what's wrong and what's not safe and what do I need to do? And I would like course correct at the root problem. And then I wouldn't be a control freak and finding Zen in my whole life. Every day is all about the Zen, finding the Zen, be the Zen. Oh. <laughs> okay, that's what that looks like. My second coping strategy to suppress all feelings of anxiety were cookies. Actually, before I get to the cookies, was smoking. So I quit smoking over two years ago. And uh, without nicotine and not only the nicotine, but also the all of the rituals that go along with smoking and going outside and removing myself from situations that were uncomfortable that were creating anxiety and um you know the nicotine suppressed the feelings of anxiety in my body and my nervous system it calmed my nervous system down um so when i quit smoking all of a sudden that's when i started to see fully that's when anxiety started like panic attacks, anxiety started kicking in for me. I had no idea that I even had any of that stuff, to be honest, like between the being a control freak and the nicotine of smoking, it really suppressed that. It really suppressed all feelings of anxiousness, heart racing, heart palpitations, sweating, being freezing cold. Um, those are some of the signs for me when I'm feeling anxious, nausea, irritable, kicking in my irritable bowel. There's like, so those were, those were two coping strategies. Let's come back to the cookies. The third coping strategy was to eat my anxiety away. So cookies, cookies were my go-to food for uh, dealing with uh, when I was feeling anxious. I would just uh, shove a lovely cookie into my pie hole. And then I was happy, 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 happy. No anxiety. Eat it away. Then I changed my diet drastically because I was having all sorts of digestion issues and all sorts of stuff. So I had to rebuild my digestion. And so I took out cookies and refined sugar. I took out everything in my diet, basically. And so then I no longer had food and especially cookies to deal with my anxiety. So I get rid of all three coping strategies. And what I'm left with is one giant ball of nervous anxiety that's vomiting all over the place and um, terrified to leave the house. And um, having a really hard time in the world, really. Um, the confident, cocky, arrogant, playful version of me uh, was very, is very, has been very challenging to keep her alive when I'm constantly feeling in the background, this low grade to high grade anxiety all the time. So what do I do about it? <laughs> well, first, first thing is first. I need to find out what the fuck why the hell am i anxious about everything all the time so where do i go 
I go to my inner child sanctuary. So I'm just going to do a little quick thing about what is a child sanctuary and the, the thing. And then in the extended version, I'm going to actually um, teach you how to set up an inner child, the beginning stages of an inner child sanctuary. Okay. Cause it's a, it's one of the key ingredients of the work that I do with all of my clients, all my trauma clients, all my clients, um, as well as I've taught it to many, many people, as well as many other therapists and coaches. They use these techniques because they work, this works so well. Become, it allows you to have a direct connection and a direct line to your subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind controls pretty much 80% to 90% of what you think, feel, do, and are in the world. And you don't even, and you have no awareness of uh, your, your conscious brain only makes up 10 to 20%. So the, what you're consciously aware of your subconscious is what's running the show. And often your subconscious is moving from beliefs and ideas um, and uh, behaviors that were usually developed in early childhood. So Think about it this way. Basically, seven-year-olds are running all of your decisions and uh, affecting everything about your life. <laughs> okay? So that's what your subconscious, your subconscious basically is like a child that only has so many skills and so many uh, tools at its disposal at that age when it was developed to understand the world. Sorry, I'm taking a drink. Okay. So I have, uh, so, and you want to know more about this and you're like, Ooh, I'm fascinated by this. I did an episode called, uh, advanced inner child work, the flush method. Um, and that episode is one twelve. Okay. All right. So I go to my sanctuary and my sanctuary is the place where I have direct conversations with all of my subconscious and my subconscious shows up for me in many different kids forms. That's how uh, it shows up for me. And so I go into my subconscious, I go to the sanctuary in my imagination, basically. And I ask him like, all right, so why are we anxious all the time about everything? And it turns out I have a series of kids that um, are constantly anxious because um, everything I do is new and everything new is potential risk factor and dangerous. So therefore they're, tr they're trying to keep me safe. So uh, they are creating anxiety in me. And because I never do, no two days are the same in my world. Um, I'm constantly in a state of anxiety because I am also a risk taker. So I have, so you can see the dilemma. <laughs> I have like, I have parts of like, part of me is like adventurous. I love new things. Let's be a risk taker. Go, let's try. Ooh, that's new. That's exciting. Let's all oh, the possibilities. So part of me is a big part of me. It's all about adventure, newness, risk taking um, possibilities. Which you can see how that might distress the kid, the, the aspects of myself that uh, feel like anything new is dangerous and is anxiety producing. 
So you can see the conundrum. It's <laughs> right So, so the first thing is, is that, you know, I go have a conversation. I find out what's going on. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do about this? So I then you utilize my tools of my kids and my inner kids and my inner sanctuary. And I have, you know, some conversations about you know, where does that come from? And it turns out that my whole childhood, which is true, my whole childhood was every moment of every day was some kind of anxiety crisis, drama producing moment. Every time I left the house, it was said if we were going on an adventure, we run out of gas, you know, there was like no toilet paper, there's only one roll of toilet paper. So even going to the bathroom in my house was an adventure with chaos and crisis. There was like, just growing up in my world was, it was, so that was the low grade stuff to uh, all of my trauma and all of my abuse happened when I left the house. So, you know, going out of the house was, you know, always off, not always, but often led to either some kind of crisis drama um, experience that, you know, one of my parents called an adventure and, uh, or I got abused uh, by extended family. So uh, needless to say, I can totally see, I totally make sense. I can totally see why my subconscious like new is unsafe and bad. Because as a child, that's the truth. That was new was unsafe, actually unsafe and bad. So once I got the knowledge, I'm like, okay, great. Now I know, I know where this is coming from. I feel like, okay, that's good. So now I acknowledge that I have anxiety. I figured out why I'm anxious all the time about everything because every moment of my day is all about adventure, like adventure seeking new possibilities. Like even this podcast, new, you know, this conversation, new. So uh, I did some, I've been doing work on my, in, in my sanctuary with my inner kids, helping them to become, um, cons, you know, basically safe adventurers and that adventures and po new possibilities can be beautiful. And we always make sure that we're safe when we do them. And we do, we only take, you know, uh, risks that are calculated risks. So the risk reward is an, al you know, algorithm is, you know, important. And, you know, so recalibrating the part of my subconscious mind to, with lots of proof and lots of hand-holding and lots of conversations about how new is okay. New now is okay. New now is safe. New adventures can be fun now because I, I'm in control of those adventures. We're in control of those adventures. And so slowly it's been about, I don't know, about a month and a half now, maybe two months. Yeah, about two months um, of like doing the work, going in, doing the things, talking to the things, doing the things, course correcting, good fix, right? Um, that I would say my anxiety has decreased to about maybe about 50%. So we're making progress because I was anxious 100% of the time. So. That's only 50% of the time. Yay!
I am very excited. I'm looking forward to maybe being anxious only 10% of the time with like really extreme things. That would be great. Um, I'm a work in progress. But what I'm finding, when another piece of this, so that's one of the pieces of the, of the work that I've been doing, a lot of subconscious you know, recalibrating, re you know, um, course correcting, reprogram, all the things, all the reparenting, everything that I've been doing in the subconscious. Um, I've been also increasing, I've increased my meditation. So I've increased my zenning time. So um, I was doing only like theta meditation for about an um, 30 minutes in the morning. I'm now doing about an hour and a half, sometimes two hours in the morning of zenning. And midday, I'll do a 20 minute uh, meditation in midday to like reset my nervous system and recalibrate my nervous system, um, which is good. And um, the other big part of this is admitting that I have anxiety. Because <laughs> anxiety feels like a weakness and watch the episode that I did on uh, episode 224, where I talk about weakness and vulnerability and the fear of that and where that comes from for me. But um, it feels like a, having anxiety for me feels like a huge weakness. So, oh, sorry. Might be nap time after this episode. <laughs> so where was I? Oh, it's... So talking about that I have anxiety, admitting I have anxiety and telling the people around me that I'm having anxiety in the moment is uh, also been an important part of me reclaiming and taking back the power in this and not feeling um, and managing it. So that was really hard. Um, telling the people around me that, hey, I'm anxious or, hey, I'm struggling with anxiety and everybody looking at me like I had like a hundred heads. What are you talking about? You're not anxious. You're fearless. You're fearless of everything. I'm like, yeah, apparently that's a lie. <laughs> Turns out that that might be a lie. It's not a lie, um, but it's it can be a lie sometimes. So that was a big part was to letting the people know what was going on with me, the people who are closest to me, letting them know, and apparently letting the world now know, because I just told you guys, <laughs> it went from inner circle to the outer world. Oh, the joys of my orgasmic life. <laughs> so anyways, all right, was, and this is the piece that was the most important part of that for me in telling the people that were closest to me that I was anxious or I was having an anxiety moment. One, they had no idea. Well, I had no idea. I hit it really well. And when I started in the last two years, I've done a really good job of just suppressing it and like, well, just hiding it, just hiding it. And also becoming more recluse. So people didn't know we weren't watching, they weren't seeing, they weren't paying attention, they wouldn't know. And so I was hiding it. And so when I came out, it's what it felt like I was like coming out, um, that I had been struggling with anxiety. And um, people are like, what? They had a, re at first they had a really hard time believing it. 
And then what typically then ends up happening is the people around you um, then want to fix it because, you know, people want to fix things. They love you. They want to fix the things that make you uncomfortable. They want you to not be uncomfortable. So they want to do everything that they can to fix it, but they can't actually fix it. No one else can fix it. Um, some of it can't be fixed. Some of it can be managed, um, but I don't think it can be fixed. And I think I can, I'm, I, I believe that I can learn to manage it and cope with it and, and come up with good strategies to deal with it. Um, but I suspect for me anyways, that there will be some low grade stuff always because there's in that continual conundrum of the conflict of my being, right? One of me, one parts of me want the stability that I never had as a child. And a big part of me is all about adventure. And I live on the edge of adventure. I don't do anything normal or the same, or I don't have, the, I don't have a normal job. I don't have a normal life. I don't have normal relationships. I, like I, I, you know, I, my favorite place to travel in the world is like, you know, the jungles of the, like, you know, Costa Rica and the Amazon. And my ideal trip is like, you know, going down the Amazon river for like six months. And like my need for adventure is deep in my soul. And, and my need for trying to be safe when I didn't have safety, which is to create stability, is also deep in my soul. So with that conflict that exists within me, there will be some ambulance. I can, like I said, I believe that I will be able to manage it really well um, and navigate it well and, you know, continue to grow and like maybe only 10% of the time I have anxiety. And when I have those anxiety moments, I can manage it really well um, and process it really well and move through it quite quickly. But as far as it being completely gone, I'm not sure if that's possible. If it is, I will be the first to tell you, I promise, okay? <laughs> I'm all for get rich it fully. But so back to my peeps. So I tell my peeps that I'm struggling with anxiety and I that I'm going to start telling people that I'm I'm anxious in the moment that I'm anxious, not after the fact, but in the moment. And so what starts happening is people start trying to fix it and they try to, what can I do and blah, blah, blah and all the stuff and or they're like, well, there's not, or there's like, there's nothing to be anxious about, or, you know, people, people say and do things because they love you, but they don't always say and do things that are best for you in that moment. Um, so, so what I needed to do is ask for what I needed. And what I needed from my people was not for them to fix it or to try to fix it. What I needed from them was just to bear witness and say, oh, that sucks, hon. Is there anything I can do? And just ask me that question. Oh, that sucks, hon. Is there anything I can do? And if there is something I can ask for, and when I, I do, and I will, um, and that's it. That's all there is to be done by it. Like I, there's nothing else anybody can do with it. And, and so it's uh, everybody in my life has been great. Um, that's why they're in my life because fabulous. And, um, you know, they, once I asked for that from my peeps, um, they've gotten really good at being like, hon, that sucks. I think I could do. And sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't other than me just riding it out. 
so yeah, that's, 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 that's what's going on with me. That's what's happening with my adventures with anxiety. See, I'm sure even the language, the adventures of anxiety. <laughs> yes, it is. It's an adventure. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, again, I had no idea. Like, seriously, when I say I had no idea, I really had no idea that I was actually had all of this anxiety under the surface of my life all the time. So yes, getting rid of those three coping strategies definitely uh, brought anxiety to the surface. But I think the other part, and this is another important piece of why I didn't know, is because I'd never felt zen. I was never calm. I was never zen. I was always on high alert. I was always in survival mode. I was so, I had anxiety, but it wasn't as big as the, the death content of like just being on guard all the time and go, 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 go. And what started to happen, I think the other piece is that I know the difference between I've finally come to these beautiful places through um, many different ways through uh, BDSM is one of them. Um, uh, meditation is a huge, another one, um, just breathing and being in my body and mindfulness is another one. So that my whole life, like all day long, my goal is to stay as calm and Zen as possible and still be active and functioning and joyful and all the things. And so that's like my new soul's purpose is to be, find the calm, find the Zen. And part of that finding the Zen is so, because when I'm not Zen, I can't digest anything. And I really like to eat more than blueberries and cauliflower and steak. I mean, those are good, but um, if I don't, if I'm not Zen and I'm not in that place of calm and stillness, my whole nervous system's out of whack and my nervous system's out of whack it affects my digestion. If my digestion is out of whack, it affects my ability to function in the world, physically function. So it's become my new life's mission to find the Zen in each moment. Just as I find the pleasure in each moment, I'm like a Zen pleasure seeking being these days. And so I think that's the other part that, that happened was that I was never, I always had the anxiety under the surface, but my other stuff was so much louder that I didn't really feel the anxiety with the help of those other three coping strategies when my anxiety spiked to where I, just before I would start to feel it. So now I have stillness, I have quiet, my brain can quiet down. I have like, go to the subspace and this is beautiful places but then when i'm not there i can feel the anxiety and it feels horrible it's awful it's such a contrast between stillness and calm and zen and peace and tranquility it's like um versus eh, oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god, oh my god. Like that's like it's such a different contrast that I can feel it more. So I think that's another reason why I'm feeling more of it. It's because when I'm not in anxiety, I'm in calm and I'm in Zen, which is a complete polar opposite of that world of anxiety. So yeah, so I just I 
I hope that was inspirational. I hope that one, it helped you get to know me a little bit better. Um, and two, that it may inspire you to be like, oh, how am I moving with my, you know, inner, my inner world? And maybe it might inspire you to go deeper into understanding your subconscious. Um, and, you know, I hope it sparked a, a curiosity and a fascination on how to communicate with your subconscious mind. So I'm going to talk about how to set up the inner, your, the beginning stages of your inner child sanctuary. If you really want, if you're curious and you want to know about that, um, you know, join my uh, Gaia, Morissette, Gaia Morissette special membership program. Um, where all the extended and bonus content and uh, uncensored content lives. Um, and as a reminder, as always, always look at the write-ups of things so you know what you're getting yourself into. Very important to prevent triggers. Um, it's like your trigger warning, your content warning. And thank you. Thank you for being on this adventure with me. Thank you for giving me a forum to share um, real and raw and honest. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Um, please, you know, tell your, tell, tell your people, help me spread the word in the world um, about how you can live fully and completely and, you know, full out and be, have a, you know, a my orgasmic life as well and you can if you need some support individual support and coaching you can always reach out to me at guyamorissette.com thanks for being here thanks for listening hmm. well i hope today's episode inspired you encouraged you and of course made you feel tingly inside I just want to take a moment to tell you how much I appreciate the time that you spend and how I really deeply appreciate you listening. I do it for you guys, the audience, and I love and adore you guys. So quick loving reminder, I am not available for naked pictures, getting married, having sex, or having anybody's babies. And when you want to spend more time with me in a professional capacity as your coach, your teacher, your educator, your facilitator... Um, you can reach me at GaiaMorissette.com. That's the gateway to all things Gaia. I also lovingly invite you to follow me on Instagram, which the handle is My Orgasmic Life Podcast, where you can leave feedback and comments. Also come join me on Facebook at My Orgasmic Life Podcast Facebook group. And I really want to hear from you. I want to know how this show affected you. Did you, what did you learn? Was it inspirational? Did you agree? Do you disagree? Um, you know, I want, I want to know because I'm a little bit of a voyeur. So I want to know what, how am I affecting you? <laughs> so please, please, please come leave some comments. Now, if you're like, but I don't want everybody to know what I'm thinking, which is okay. Sometimes we need privacy and we need to be anonymous. So you would like that option? We have that. You can email my slutty assistant, Layla at GaiaMorissette.com. Okay. 
listeners. Until next time, may your life be filled with sexy exploration and orgasmic pleasure. Bye-bye.